triggers, no cat, bitch. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the days. You know what I'm days? So I found out that um he has something to do with Eve and uh Beanie Siegel. Yeah, absolutely. It's um what 1999. Boy, you taking me back. I remember, you know, I just remember the events. I don't remember the dates. <laughs> uh, I heard um, that you had uh, rap groups in Philly. Uh, Philly most uh, what, most wanted. There's a few of them. You know what I mean? Me, my brother Mark, and a partner Sadiq, and um, and a partner Roller. Okay. Real Roller. We started this company called Black Friday Management, and um, let's see, we signed. Most Wanted actually got signed first. Most Wanted came through a brother named Stevie G. Shout out to G-Funk. Okay. Uh, Stevie G brought Most Wanted to the table um, by way of um, Kurt Wood. Kurt worked for Puff at the time. And Kurt couldn't sign Most Wanted over at, um, over at Bad Boy. And he suggested that me and Mark get with CVG and his sister that were actually managing most one at the time and brought them to the table. Okay. Wow. And that was uh, what year? I told you, don't ask yeah, me don't about ask the year. Me. <laughs> I, yeah. bro. I was just trying to see if I was First of all, you jumped right in there. You didn't introduce them. Oh, I was about uh, to introduce it. I just wanted to build it up so people okay. actually know who we're talking to. So we're talking to Sherman Byers, the brother of Mark Byers, uh, from Philadelphia, from uh, Germantown? Mount Airy. Mount Airy. I didn't want to get the session wrong. Mount Airy. Okay. Hey. Anthony Richardson truck red nation on the gram, but uh, yeah, back then they used to inspire me. Okay, I watched them, and uh, matter of fact, it was funny. They sold me my first uh, foreign, and it was good times back then. Taught me a lot just just listening conversations. Sometimes you got to learn to keep your mouth shut and your eyes open and and your ears open so you can get it and take it all in. So I, I thank them and always thank them for that that times of teaching lessons. Right. You know what I mean. Um, so your family always been in business. Absolutely. Um, um, my pop was a was a serialpreneur. <laughs> you know, long before it became a, such a thing <laughs> of a serialpreneur. You know what I mean? My house pop hustled everything, but the thing he learned how to hustle more than anything was cars. Okay. So cars wound up being a a big deal in the household. And from cars came music. Just the hustle grind. Cars came. Things came. And then music came from. Cars and things that came. Oh, I understand. Well, music. Hey, listen. They used to listen. Uh, piece. Uh, was it pieces of a dream live near you? They lived across That's the street. Yeah, yeah. Pieces of a dream lived across the driveway. Pitch black lived down the down the street, around the corner. Breakwater used to perform with K. Williams. So it was always like serious music within you know, the neighborhood. And it's crazy because I try to find music on iTunes. Uh, title. You can't find none of it. You can't mm -hmm. find a. Um, I think the first track. Well, the first album we worked with was uh, with Eric Gable. Yep, yeah. And I couldn't find no music on that. I wanted to play it for yeah, you. Yeah, that was all analog. Uh, I worked on... I became a songwriter at one time, like, in regards to getting into the business. I was a songwriter before I was even a, uh, a manager. I just, I just aspired to uh, get on the business more so than being a songwriter because at that time, a lot of dudes was getting ripped off and snaked. And I was a pretty emotional cat, so right. I really understood the business of it more so than anything because I didn't want to become emotional. Right. Um, if I can ask you this, um, when um, you was actually going through the songwriting process, mm -hmm. um, 
was it any like music musicians that you gave your like music to to let you know that your songwriting was good or I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I became a songwriter by fluke. It was a fluke. It was a fluke. Yeah, it was this this talented brother named Maurice Wilcher. Um, we were representing him, and Maurice was probably like one of the first, I say, new young producers that came out of Philly. This is got Storch, oh. Touch of Jazz, Rodney yeah. Jerkins, and we wound up. He was a hundred percent writer, which was like he was like the R. Kelly type. And um, we had take we had taken some money to work on uh, Freddie Jackson at the time, <laughs> and it was like that was like one of the biggest things that you know we could have worked on. It's like either you, you know either working on Freddie J either working on Luther Vandross or you working on Freddie Jackson right. at that time. I know Freddie Jackson. You got my lady, right? Yeah. So we were working on Freddie Jackson, and my man Mo got writer's block, and the company had already given us half of the money for the job and we needed to be at work to perform the job on Monday and mm. my man got writer's block Thursday night. Yeah. So I'm just a stickler on being accountable so I'm like I done took the half of the money <laughs> and now we in a bad position. Man. So I just said the hell with it I'm gonna take my shot at it. So I got me a glass of Chardonnay. <laughs> got me a daggone cassette player. And just kept hitting play and rewind and playing rewind and playing rewind until I felt a dog came up with something that was palatable even to my own ear. And I wound up, you know, singing the record down to my man Maurice over the phone. And he was at Sigma. And he recorded the demo and it wound up Making getting it. placed and wound up being a single. Wow. So the first record that I ever wrote wind up getting placed all right and you're a business person i'm i graduated business school so i gotta ask you um how was the numbers on that first writing credit was it was it, nice it was nice <laughs> oh was that's, nice. that's good man yeah, let, me, real, let me find my air was, horn yeah, for that was, one that was nice bro. real nice uh, oh, man. get some air horns off of that one man it's, it's, it's what it's what let me believe it was gold in them there hills you feel <laughs> what i'm saying i'm like Damn, this was a fluke. What if what if I took it serious? Or what if somebody else was better than me really took it serious? What could it wind up being? Mm. And um, it's funny that you say it's somebody else because I looked at your, uh, your brother's story because mm -hmm. I was uh, watching something they did for Temple. And um, he was talking about how instead of managing musicians, he managed producers. Yeah. producers are always going to be in between musicians and the companies. Well, the thing about managing... The key to the whole song business or the music business is he or she that creates the song is the biggest winner. The mm. song is the product. Artists, they dispensable. They come and go. Uh -huh. As you say, I've managed a multitude of artists and they've come and gone. Right. I still remain. I still remain because I've only concerned myself about the song. Okay. Makes sense. So the song is the product. It's not the artist. Okay. And um, since you, had, you touched on it a little bit, I've seen you work with uh, Glenn Lewis. Yeah. And that was like probably one of my mom's favorite R&B singers. That's, uh, Glenn was the lady's favorite. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I always wondered why when he had that one album or... Um, a lot of variables. A lot of variables. Um, one, one, of, one of the reasons why it was only one album is because of... Um, 
changes at that time in, in the Sony system. You yeah. know what I mean? They went through big changes at the time. Um, and, you know, sometimes artists can, they, they can run out of patience. And sometimes when that artist runs out of patience, um, sometimes you have to let people... Go, right? Sometimes you got to let people, you know, deal with a decision that they want to make for themselves. Okay. I've never been one that want to pull somebody. You know what I mean? If you feel as though you don't want us to manage you any longer, cool. I'm not going to sit down and have a long, drawn-out discussion with you about why you should stay and this, that, and the other because it's, it's not of my nature. I mm -hmm. believe in myself first. I mean, at the end of the day, for every artist that we've ever been involved in at that particular time, we built them from the ground up. So when you can build something else, you don't necessarily right. worry about it. You know, you can just go find something else to put your time and energy into, to put some equity into it and for it to turn into something. You say equity. Um, I'm finding that, that in any business you do, you don't really make anything until you put your all into it. You start investing in yourself. You start sacrificing things that you usually do. And um, was it hard to make that sacrifice when you first started? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, when me and Mark first got into business, we probably were, not even probably, we were making an investment into the music business without making a dime at a reverend $100,000 a year per year for four years before we made a dime. Mm. Oh, wow. So when these kids sit back and talk about, you know, well, you know, I'm this and I'm that. Well, you know, I should be on and blase, blase, blase. Y'all live in a digital world. Like, we come in an analog world. In the analog world, I mean, give you, for instance, even if somebody specs you on studio time, which meant that they're not even charging you for the studio time, you still got to come up with tape costs. Mm. You got You still have to buy a two-inch sleeve, a two-inch reel and a two-inch sleeve. That's $500 mm. just for the tape. Wow. Now, you can almost buy a, 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 a Pro Tools red Pro Tools for right. $500. Right. You know what I'm saying? So the, the times were different. You know what I mean? Um, the money and the money was different. And times are different now too. Um, do you see the business getting better or actually? Getting... I think that it, it, it's the business has evolved. It evolved. You know what I mean? Um, it was a while before people got used to uh, it taking a shift digitally. Mm -hmm. But once people realized that their digital shift was here to stay and it wasn't going anywhere, then it got figured out. You know what I'm saying? It's no different than 20 years ago when we used to have, a, well, 35 years ago. Real to real. We used to have a, 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 a phone in the house. Yeah. All right. You know what I mean? You know, you you know, used to think that, you know, at one time people used to be like, I need a phone in the house and I need my cell phone. Now people are like, I don't know why I have a house phone. Don't make no sense. You know, so everything evolves. Triggers no cat, bitch. Triggers no cat, bitch. That's right. Do you find it harder to manage uh, R and B or hip hop? Um, there's really, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a level to, level of difficulty. Okay. But personalities. Um. The difference between R&B and hip-hop is 
R and B is non confrontational. Okay. It's okay. smoother. It's, it's easier. It's, it's catered. R and B caters to a female audience, so you're not going through testosterone battles because mm. every dude that's there to sing, they already they coming to sing for their woman female audience. Anyway, okay. hoping that they buy, they gonna they gonna sing, they gonna perform, they gonna buy the women gonna buy merch. They gonna buy tickets. They gonna they go. They coming to the after parties. It's gonna be non confrontational, unlike right. hip hop okay. artists. In most cases, and until they you know reach star uh, star status, it's a sausage fest. Yeah. It's nothing but males that's out there in the audience. It's yeah. to go to the after party. You got males that want to be around males. It's fighting to be in the VIP section, moving the chicks out the way. So I can't, I, I couldn't relate to it. I, I, to be honest <laughs> with you, I like the R&B side better. Okay. Yeah, I see, I see why people go R&B. But I mean, if you were to break it down, it's like, okay. Rap compared to R&B, rap is cocaine, R&B is heroin. Wow. So uh, I was born in the '90s after the, the drug epidemic. I'm not really big on that crack of heroin. Is, is there any difference in like when you say different high, um, different costs, different costs? Okay. Um, one is one is cocaine or crack is, uh, I guess you could say loud. Okay. Okay. Bad, braggacious. Um, stun heavy. Where heroin is quiet. You can barely, you can barely see the flow. I understand. Oh wow, it's a good, uh, good analogy. Good analogy. Yes. Yeah. Um. So um, we was talking on the phone. He was talking to my dad, and um, you made a good point, and um. The point that you was making, I kind of seen it into the Nipsey Hustle story of um, just telling somebody no. And today's generation can't can't take the word no and move on. They have to retire, retire or attack or feel some type of defense because you said no to them. I mean, I found that it has a great deal to do with um, home infrastructure, right? You got a great deal of the black males that grow up in a household when, in most cases, they're the only male figure in the household. Um, single moms are raising these boys, trying the best that they can. Um, in a lot of cases, you got boys that's in the crib with either younger brothers or younger sisters. And like any other young man that's in the house for a five-year run, a 10-year run, and he's the only one, he's the, he's the authoritative figure when he's in that household 90% of the time, man in the ship, he in turn has the mindset of, I'm a boss, right? For which he is within that household amongst his younger brothers and younger sisters. But I find that what young brothers don't understand is that your energy is not transferable when you leave the house and go outside in the street. Meaning that your boss up while you're in the house, while I run in the house, and the ego that you build while in the house running your sisters or your brothers or your younger brothers and sisters around, 
when you go out into the world and you hit the curb, it don't transfer. You're not a boss amongst other bosses that might really be out here in the street. So what I find is that you have you have emotional confrontations that unfortunately only get resolved by somebody being negatively the bigger emotional person, which means that these things escalate to the point of, okay, you was talking out of turn because you thought you was the bigger boss while we got into a confrontation or argument. I'm really out here in these streets. You disrespectful as shit. So disrespectful, you don't really understand how disrespectful you are. And you talking so heavy and crazy to I don't know whether or not you really got the capability of doing it or not. I'm just going to go for the guarantee and I'm going to smoke you. You out of here. But that's still another emotional decision for which the person that does the smoking, he don't know that he's going to have to deal with. It might not strike him right then and there, but then sooner or later, after he or she gets locked up and they have time to think and reflect and they get places and have other conversations with other people to get them to understand how to evolve, how to change, how to become more conscious than that person in turn for everything that they've ever done, that shit comes back to haunt them every day of their life. Like every day of their life. You just you just you you know, and how do we correct this problem with our youth? The only way I see that the problem is gonna be able to be corrected is um a whole lot of uh, accountability, right? Um, I'll break down a personal story. My mom, her father lived next door to her growing up as a kid. He never did a fucking thing for her a whole time growing up as a kid, right? My mom's grandparents raised her which is she had a grandmother and a grandfather they raised her and and gave her gave their daughter which is my mom's mom ample opportunity to go and get her life in order to become a nurse and to, to go to nursing school based on the infrastructure that she had even with this cornball ass nigga living next door that been unaccountable that shit never had a psychological effect on her to know how to operate in society and to deal with having authority figures because the infrastructure was there within the household that the grand that the grandparents put, mm-hmm. meaning that there was a void that was there, but the void got filled. Right. Unfortunately, in today's time, the, the voids don't get filled, right. and these motherfuckers is out here running them up. Right. They had to find other out- outlets to, to release it. And that's how my, my my situation was. My father wasn't around. My grandmother, grandfather raised me. My, they said make sure my mom went back to school. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm glad they they stepped in. Right and I and then I was fortunate enough to be around guys like your father. I'm mm-hmm. gonna be honest. Uh, Mr. Wormley, different men that have impacted me, whether they didn't even know it or not. And even though you guys were a few years older than me, you still was like, I wouldn't say my OG, but you was like a mentor. And today's young men, 
don't have that mentor like we had. Hey, you know what's funny? So I had a friend in high school. He asked me, and I didn't know, I didn't think about it back then, and I kind of like shrugged it off, but he asked me, so your dad, your OJ? And I said, like, he said it as in a way of trying to play me. But when I started thinking about it while I was in college, it's like, yeah, my dad is my OG. My dad is the OG that's going to protect me and never going to turn his back on me and take me out of this world. Absolutely. Most of these people that look up to OGs is the same people that can take them out. And that's time they come up. I'm hearing dudes call somebody OG and the OG two years older than well, A year older, a month older. Yeah, how, how is... I said can't be OG. How you going to be OG and you don't have experience walking with the, with the, walk the face of the earth? Right, they was in high school together and they trying to... Yeah. It's, it's just weird. And this is like, uh, even when I was coaching... Like, it was just rough. And people say, well, why don't you coach now? And one thing always flashes back in my mind. I've had incident with kids and parents. Well, today, that same situation could play out with gunfight or gun battle and put me in a harm situation. And not only would I lose my life, I got to think of my son's life. You know what I mean? And I got to think about my mom and everybody else's life that it affects. And I don't think people really take the time to think about when you kill the person, the domino effect that happens in the family, you know, and I don't think people really understand that, you know, and I feel bad for guys my son's age and under because that's why, you know, I, like we said, the father son podcast was important because we just want people to understand conversation. You have to bring things to a table and have conversation. But like I say, man, I really thank you, you know, you, your father, your brother. Different things, different people call Wormley, Horace Wormley. You know, people that came along that when my grandfather couldn't give me that knowledge of life. Your father said life. You always got to have a hustle. If it's washing cars, if it's tenting windows, if it's doing something. Whatever it is. You got to have a hustle. You got to have your job and a hustle. And your hustle. And you I never forgot broke. that. Oh, You're you going to be a broke ass. Yeah. That's funny. That's what my dad always tried to teach me, and uh, some of you always say I gotta have a job that's uh, every two weeks, a steady paycheck, and um, I didn't know he got it from, from your dad. So it's about, I mean, how you gonna create? You gotta create multiple streams of income. Avenue. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because if 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 one thing leaves, then you crapped out. But if you still got your hustle, your hustle gonna keep you afloat till you find quote unquote another job or another great situation mm -hmm. but if you don't have nothing that's making that extra and your main thing leave then you ass out right. question for you is one thing I do admire about you I look at you and Freeway and you're not just a manager man you're like a a, a big brother little brother a good friend you're there man and a lot of people would not take the time that you take. And I honor you for that, man. But when you're a manager, like everybody takes it to be about just the money. No. It's not about the money. you managing that life, the well-being of that person's life. You literally have the life in your hands. That's why I really tell young dudes that's out here managing or call themselves managers. If you've never done it before, Go partner up with somebody that got some good that's got some experience. You'll stay in the monetary stream of the flow of the money longer. Mm. Because once that artist realizes that you don't know nothing, they're gonna be running as fast as they can to go find somebody with what? the knowledge. With that knowledge. Right.
There's always people coming up to that artist too, trying to take. Have a good listen. Other managers could see through it. Other real managers could see through the novice scenario mm-hmm. and know that you don't know what you're doing based on the things that are happening. Right. Listen, and it's funny because people always DM me, man, you ever want to be a manager? And I always talk to you about it. I said, I'm, I don't have that. I, I manage bars and I managed businesses. I don't know if I, I can manage that. Though, I just feel as though in order for somebody to be a good manager... The first thing you be posed, you should be able to manage for real, for real. It's yourself. <laughs> That's hard. For you can't to do. if you can't manage yourself. You you don't have the ability to manage somebody else. If you don't have particular disciplines, how are you? If you don't have particular notable disciplines, how can you tell somebody else to have those same disciplines? Like, for instance. You're a fool of a manager if you party with your client and you drink with your client and you get broads with your client. So how are you going to tell them to stop partying yeah. or to slow down on the broads if you're doing the same thing that they're doing? Exactly. You know what I mean? You're going to lose, you're going to lose your sense of authority. Being a, manager is having, being a good manager is about having a sense of authority. If you don't have a sense of authority, how is somebody going to respect it? Everybody respects authority. I know this is jumping the gun, and I always say this to you. I can't wait for your book. Uh, you waiting for that first artist to ever listen? <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for your book, man. Yeah, listen, I know I wasn't supposed to say that, but I had to. I'm waiting for that book, man. Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's. It, I, I don't, I don't know when it's going to be complete because it's always a new chapter every day. <laughs> Chapter, you know, it just, it just keeps opening up. How long have you been in other business? 30, 30, 30 years. years. Yeah, Did you see his face when I mentioned the book? How he lights up. He don't see it. I see it. His face lights up. Like, what about the book? Yeah, accomplishment. Like, yeah. but he's never finished. The name of the book is called The First Artist That Ever Listened. The First Artist That Ever Listened. But they never yeah. listen. They never, that's why I was, was going to ask that, but. They never listen. <laughs> right. <laughs> So what so, the book is about is, is 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 my personal journey and my personal truths in regards to my relationships with particular clients and how they got there, how to how particular decisions were made to make them either pivot and go another way or mm-hmm. for the better or pivot and go another way for the worse. Right. So when I give the breaks down the breakdowns of you know, particular things in this book, then people have their own real answers about why particular outcomes happen. Okay, and it's the first uh, artist to ever listen because if they read it and they understand it, then they should listen. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that should be a top selling book right there. <laughs> that's what I keep saying to them. Um, Maybe you have to do a part one and part two. Oh, it's going to be in volumes. Okay. It's got to be in volumes. Well, Amazon or something? Or? Definitely it's going to be Amazon play. <laughs> no mistake about it. Um, you said something about the uh, management. How do you feel about uh, now they have management teams and management companies like uh, Rock Na- Nation and other management music groups? How do you feel about um, those type of groups and those taking the mass majority clients now? Um, I think I think management is uh, 
is a thing where every every artist needs their own services. Um, every management company doesn't necessarily render all the services that every artist needs. Um, it's almost like, not even almost like, it's like, it's like, if you top tier as a, as an artist, right? Let's just say, let's say an artist is a Benz, right? <laughs> okay. That Benz, oh, it's a multitude of service places to go to service your car. Okay. But who services your AMG 63 the best? Mm. Who services his 560 SEL the best? Who services my CL550 the best for me? Your experience might be your experience. His experience could be his experience and mine be mine. Mm. But you have to go through trial and error to find what works best for you. Some people get it right from the inception. Some people it takes 10, 12 years before they find the right team to get with to turn the lights on. And what's that biggest struggle that artists have then? Just... The biggest struggle is of, of, of not knowing about business. They spent so much time in regard to perfecting their artistry it would be impossible to perform them to perfect their business and artistry simultaneously. And how will you find the best way of understanding the music business? Because it's not really on paper and people don't really know how much a stream equals to Um, You got to study. I think there's no excuses for someone not to study because they have the mechanism of an iPhone or a daggone Samsung phone at their disposal to be able to Google any information. You know what I mean? I find myself up in the wee hours of the morning just constantly surfacing, surfacing for information. So if I could do it at 53, there is no reason in the world. And I, I shouldn't be as hungry as a dude that's right. 21, 22 years old. I'm still his hungry. hungry. His hunger should be beyond mine because he ain't got nothing in his belly. He ain't never ate nothing. Right. I done had a few meals. I'm, I'm a little fat. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. I done had a few meals, but I'm still... Hungry to get more meals, but the the younger man, he should be way more hungry than me, way more. All right. So if you're hungry and you got that hunger, where do you go from there? What's what's the first avenue? Just making them relationships, or be humble enough to know what you what you know and what you don't know. And if you don't have information, you need to find yourself a way to buckle up and be an intern and be a flyer on the wall for about two three years in somebody's company. To learn something so that you wind up having a value. Because if you wind up being an intern and learn something to have a value, somebody will give you an opportunity. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That's a major key right there. I hope people is listening. Yeah. I definitely uh, understand. Definitely know like, what I like what a lot of people don't understand with me and Mark is I spent a lot of time being a flyer on the wall working with Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, being around the likes of a Teddy Riley, being around the likes of a Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, being around the likes of uh, a LA and Babyface. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm talking about being places, I mean, I spent a whole summer at Brandon Way out in LA, <laughs> like being a fly on the wall while this kid Maurice was producing, but really being a fly on the wall in a winning place to understand how things really, really work and operate. Mm. 
That's why a lot of times I sit, just sit back. I tell people, best thing is just leave your ears open. Listen, your mouth somebody shut. invites you in the room. Just listen. Get in the room, <laughs> fall back, chill, and suck up all the information. Free knowledge. All the conversations that's going to be coming from all over the place. Yeah. Just suck it up. You have a you, you, your mind is rolling. I see you have yeah, a lot of things you're trying to like, do. It's because it's personally for myself. It's it's just a lot of stuff that I want to do, and um, I just hope like this platform try, like reach other people that's trying to accomplish this, their dreams in life. Because like in this world, life is too short. You never know when um, it's your last day. So you have to go for for the fullest. I'd say. And, and I have to say for young people. Um, Stop believing every fucking thing that you hear to come out of somebody's mouth. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, my man, he do X, Y, Z. He knows so-and-so and so-and-so. Yeah, well, what he could do is blase, blase, blase. Does he know these people because he parties with these people? <laughs> or does he or she know these people because they make money with these people? There's a difference. That's a difference. Big difference. And somebody that makes money with these people, you know what they'll have problem giving you? A discography of of what it is that they do to state who they are, so they don't get, so you don't get them misconstrued about with the next person that just party with somebody that just is talking shit. Mm-hmm. And it's funny you say that. Like people sometimes take pictures at face value. They're just pictures. They're pictures. Pictures are worth yeah, a thousand words. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I mean? People, I see people that... they just pictures. Mow people down on the internet because they got all these followers. This young lady the other day, I ain't even going to mention her name, but, you know, she wound up tapping into me. And I know she wound up tapping into me because she's watching a particular client that's moving. Mm-hmm. Right? She just sees, based on the client, giving a shout out, she kind of like putting one, one and one together. You, you understand? So she winds up being in my inbox. So I asked her, you know, out of curiosity, you know, what made you DM me? Well, I saw that you was, you know, with so-and-so and so-and-so. I said, that's pretty smart on your behalf. I says, so she says, what is it that you do? I said, I do a little bit of this. I do a little bit of that. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't do too much. I just do enough. She's like, well, what does that mean? I says, well, how about this? I'll send you over my discography. As a matter of fact, I sent it over and I sent it to, I sent it to you in text. And you can pull up while we're talking in real time. And when she opened it up, it said kept going line for line for line. Every time she was going, she said, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my Oh, you kinda like a big deal. If well, that's your perception of it, I'm kinda like very serious about what it is that I do. So I wouldn't call it a big deal. I'm about getting the breadsticks. And if somebody wanna get some breadsticks, let's go. But be for real. Be um and you like what you do, though. Be adamant about getting to the bread. And don't have falsified expectations. Have realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. Young people have falsified expectations. They, they, they have what I deem as the want. And then the ultimate, which is the end, is the reward. But there's a process in between the want and the reward that they don't respect. They think that they're going to jump the line and go from the want to the process. It can't happen like yeah. that. Like I stated, it took five years, $400,000 in the hole with me and Mark before we saw a first check that was $80,000. Wins and losses. Wins and losses. <laughs> Wins and losses. So when people talk about, yeah, I got X, Y, I don't want to hear that shit, dog. Like, 
you ain't you ain't spent this kind of money to to, to get in. You ain't invest that kind of money into right. yourself. We living in a digital age. You went bought a Pro Tools rig and you bought you know you 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 bought some hardware and you bought some plugins. Right. Different time. Different times. Different time. One thing um, <laughs> I'm ask you is. You have to love what you do because you don't, your hours are, are just crazy. You always, there's no set nine to five. It's just hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's just hours, man. It's, it's definitely hours, but they're my hours. Right. And that's the difference. They're not somebody else's hours. You love what you're doing. It's easy. Compared to anything else in the world that I could be doing, this is sweet. I really, I've never really worked a day in my life. Mm. You know how people say, if you're doing what you love, it's not working? This shit ain't work. It's not. I'm, I'm happy that you said that. I said that to my dad all the time. Because I used to work for um, this company. I used, to, I used to just didn't like it because I felt like it was work. It wasn't what I thought going to school and having an accounting degree would give me in life. And, uh... The type of desires that I wanted and fulfillment, it wasn't being fulfilled. So it just made me more miserable, uh, less wanting to be at work. So, um, But he just said in between here to here. Here is a process, right. Process. So that's all I was saying. So I understand like everything, that. Everything that you go through in life, right, while you're trying to find. You got to find your passion in life first. Right. And then after you figure out what your passion is, you got to find out, figure out how to monetize your, your passion, passion yeah. right? But then after you monetize your passion, you got to figure out what your purpose is. Mm. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? And then once you figure out what, what your purpose is, then everything comes in abundance. Makes sense. Makes sense. Is there anything wrong with wanting to see other people win? Like, that's just one of my passions. I love to see people hell, win. Hell no. You know I mean? give you, for instance, okay, I got a little cousin named Troy Carter. Troy, before this summer comes in, for Troy will be, quote unquote, a billionaire. Troy will have way more money than me in about six to eight months. I'm happy as shit for Troy. As you should be. You know right? why I'm happy for Troy? Because Troy put in the fucking work. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Troy deserved what the fuck he get because he put in the fucking work. As Troy wasn't sweet, Troy would tell you how the fuck no, it wasn't sweet. Mm. But what is? All right. And that's the problem with people. They can't congratulate people for their successes. If people put in the fucking work, salute them for the work that they put in. And instead of that, going to figure out how to take, why don't you figure out, a, be, be humble enough to ask a motherfucker, yo, dog. Like, oh, some yeah. real shit. How you do this? Yeah. Like, I need to know. Give, give me the Motherfuck blueprint. They, they not humble enough to be, they not, they not humble enough to, to do that. All right. Yo, dog, how'd you, like, how did you do that? Like, what is the process? What is the process to getting a million dollars? What is the process to making $100,000? What is the process to making $1.2 or $1.3 million annually? What is that process? You know, something just came to my mind being a manager. I just want to ask you a question. I know I know a lot of things in this world are black and white. Is it hard for you sometimes to take a client and sell them to different brands? Do you find that to be difficult more difficult now than before? 
Um, no. Okay. I'm into global business. If it can't be something that's global, mm. I'm not touching it. Okay. Because I want to service something that the world need. need. I don't want to. I don't want to have something that's only needed in a territory, only needed in one continent. <laughs> I need something that's needed on multiple tiers. You know what I mean across the country. That's why you know there's such a thing as vitamin water. I mean, uh, uh. Banana weed milk. There's right. such a thing as autogen. There's such a thing as bedlam. These are other things that, you know, we found ourselves to get into outside of music that will wind up having big, big payoffs. And I mean, I think I think the biggest lesson that I learned with this being in the music business is that it taught me how to do global business. Not just business, business. but global, global business. Global it's something that is crazy. So it's a it's a global business, but it's still our culture. And we are the culture of everything moving out here. That's why that's why us and especially young African Americans, they need to stop franicking, need to stop hating. And what I mean by that, let's say for instance, okay, in DC, right? DC ain't known for wearing brands they don't wear polo no. they don't wear you know what i mean they might wear nike tennis shoes and all that but when it comes down to clothes for every neighborhood there is a brand that's supported by that neighborhood yeah i got a homie that's down there he make 1.3 million dollars per year based and been doing this for 20 years mm. and he employs a lot of people all right you understand what i'm saying so why can't the same thing happen in Philly? Why? Because jokers get to hating. Oh, man. You know, why shouldn't a, a, a joker uh, support Milano? Salute to the sister. Yes. Why shouldn't a per person support El Revere? Salute to the sister. You know what I'm saying? And, who, and whomever else is out here. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? But I see them putting in the work. And, and it's funny because I look back because uh, it was funny. The young lady used to live here, her mother and father. She was a little girl when I first <laughs> met her. Uh, Bagaro. Tiffany used to live here. Not in the mission, not even not to mention her. Shout, Shout out to her, her yeah. too. But it was just weird because it's funny when I'm looking at her as a little girl when I was buying this house and, and seeing her in that little back room and look at where she's at now. I'm just so proud of her. You know, just, just so proud. But, but jokers need to, joke, instead of hating on the rabbit, everybody need to dogpile the rabbit so that the rabbit can make money. Because the rabbit, chances are, going to bring some money to the hood. The rabbit going to get out the hole yep. and make everything work for everybody. That's right. I tell everybody, in life, life ain't a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm. Why you think Nipsey Hussle named it marathon? Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's a marathon. Mm -hmm. It's not a sprint. And, and look how long it took him to get where he was and then do all the things he did in this community. And for that to happen, it just hurts. It, it hurts at another level, because we we saw we we was around for Biggie, we was around for for Tupac, so to speak. You know that was our era. This hurts a little different. This because, is our Tupac, I feel. Yeah, yeah. that's all Tupac. Yeah. Or, or are we wrong on that analogy? Um, I say it's a little deeper than Tupac. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because this dude was a part of a different culture and wound up pivoting. Oh yeah, that true that. Yeah, true that. Into something else. You understand what I'm saying? Like and try to feed his culture. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a little, 
it's a little, yeah. it's a little deeper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's a little deeper than that. It cuts, 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 cuts. You know, you gotta understand when you understand uh, gang lifestyle. Like they all over the place. They just, it's just not a LA thing. Right. You feel what I'm saying? So when you got pockets all over the place, all those pockets all over the place, they feel that pain from it. Mm. I was down in Baltimore. I seen a seen some gangs down there. So I know. Hey, by the way, um, the company in uh, DC is that Helly Hansen that you was talking about, or? Nah, nope. It's a lot of them. It's a lot. It's a lot of them. I mean, it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like it's Hobo. It's Vusi. It's a brother named Vusi. Vusi Makuna. I heard that. That's my guy. Like Vusi, been getting it for a long time. You uh, you have any secrets about? The clothing industry might, I can give a pointer to me. Flood, corner the market up, bro. Flood it out. <laughs> Flood it out, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I say, like, watch, watch the Frankish Lucas story, right? And then the original one. Yeah, and 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 and. and Negate his product, but replace it with your own product and use those same fundamentals in regards to what it is that you got. You feel what I'm saying? It's like, yo, have them Jones in your trunk. You got to have them in your trunk, bro. You got you like, you, you to always have product. And it's funny that you say that. I, I, I don't tell my son this often, but I do tell him I'm very proud of him. I see that, and I see what he's doing. And it's like, it's just funny seeing him riding around with a bunch of clothes in his trunk, and he's really trying. And I, I, I salute you, and I want you to keep fighting for what you want. Listen, man, when you believe him, this, 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 this I'm gonna give you a marketing one on one. You have to see the product. You have to see the product of who talk about things a lot. The people that talk about things a lot are barbershops and beauty salons. So if you get barbershops and beauty salon the product is for free, while they wearing it, everybody else gonna want to wear it because they're the trendsetters of the daggone neighborhood. Period. Period. The flyest motherfuckers come in the barbershop and in the, the, the hair salons. The mm. flyest chicks and the flyest dudes. And, and so you know your own course. I'm on course. Your own course. And 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 I mean, it's... and make sure your palettes, your color palettes. It's the same color palettes of sneakers that are coming, coming out. out. That's right. 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 That's something I want to get ahead of, yeah. And, and, it's and do a, collaborations with some of these artists that's out here. Like, you know, you got the Ivan Takis and, you know, you got uh, my man, my man Ibn. Um, oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a multitude of them out here, man. You know what I mean? Like, they, they down with, like, helping young brothers out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everybody be on this. No, nah, old head, that's how it was in your time. No, nah, you're going to need to listen to the old head because he's going to be able to tell you something. He's going to be able to tell you. He gonna be, the old head going to tell you about the dad going, the, the pothole that's on the road that you ain't traveled yet. Right, because game never changed. It don't, it don't change. <laughs> no, nah. what I always it's say. It's just the players. It don't it's change. the players. The players change. Just the game stay the same. Period. <laughs> Man, we definitely uh, hit a lot of key points. A lot of key points. So. But I, 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 you know, like I say, you know, there's so many things I, I want to say, and there's so many things I wouldn't say. But there's you, you taking the time to come talk to my son and myself. I really appreciate it because 
like I said, you and your father made a difference in my life. And I see the difference that you've made in my son's life in a short time. And that's, 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 what, uh, that's what family we, does. We all we got. Yeah, that's what family you know what I mean? does, man. Family, and, 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 family is everybody of dark skin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, I got, I got two homies just out in LA. They like, they my guys, they my brothers. You know what I mean? There's two brothers. They named Bobby and Izzy Avia. They, they Mexicans. <laughs> they my guys. They my brothers. I love them like I love Mark. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, we talk all the time like, yo, at the end of the day, Everybody that got brown skin supposed to be on the same fucking team. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Y'all hear that out there. That's real talk. We all colors. Well, yeah. yeah. It's real talk. And um, before I, before we get out of here, I always wanted to um, shout out Freeway and um, congratulate him on a successful surgery and everything. And um, that, that was something that, that hit dear. And I really appreciate you guys, man, taking the time to discuss the thing. It's funny how God... Will give you somebody that's going through something similar. Right. When Indeed. I first, when I first, I have to say this. When when the when the first happened to my mom. Yeah. I was on my way to the gym, and it was like five thirty in the morning, and this man right here talked to me to about quarter to seven. And whether they know it or not, him and Freeway got me through that rough time, just by his little posts and our conversation. And I really appreciate that, man. I really it's all do. Good, homie. It's all good. I really appreciate that. I really do, man. All I'm saying, man, for you, bro, hold up, hold up, hold up. being thorough is a full time job. You can't be thorough today and not be thorough Third tomorrow. Moment. If you're thorough, you're always going to be thorough every time. Yeah, principal guys stay the same. Period. And out with this song. All the way, all the way live. All the way live, man. <laughs> Anybody in on this or no? Hmm? Anybody on this or no? No. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. It's funny as the artists get older and listening. Even like we were talking to Rand Shaw the other day, his, his lyrics have changed because he's experiencing different things in life. You know, and it's funny because the people always say, oh, man, I miss the old Jay-Z. The new Jay-Z's on another level. What he's saying, you got to you got to have lived. Yeah, he done evolved into something else. Yeah. And the same with Freeway. When he when he talks, he's just y'all hear something Freeway cut yesterday with Quilly. This shit hot. Hey. Look. Take that fucking vest off, this effing nights a rip that and knock your fucking trigger. There's no cat, bitch.